You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. OTAs and minicamp are now officially wrapped up, and we're here to make sure you didn't miss anything that came out of that. That's what we're doing on this episode. All the nuggets that you need. Grab your coffee. I have my coffee right here, as you guys have already noticed. But grab your coffee, grab your drink. Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I'm Faraz. I'm here with Zach. Going to go through as many of these as possible with uh, you know a lot of the, camp, you know, the, the minicamp news, OTA news. Uh, we talked about some of these things, but we haven't really gone you know a little bit in-depth in them. And whether we're buying them or not, right, that sort of thing. That's what we're going to be talking about. But first, if you haven't subscribed or followed the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it only takes a second, literally. Just hit that button. It helps us a ton. And then also you'll be updated with many new episodes that come out onto your feed. So we, we'd appreciate if you guys can go ahead and do that. How, how you doing, Zach? Before I move on, I just want to say, I just want to acknowledge you, ask yeah. you how you doing. Before we move on to your Cowboys. Yeah, this is the absolute dead zone of, you know, just fantasy football, all sports in general. I mean, no football, no basketball. I mean, it's just baseball right now. I'm not a big baseball guy, and that's pretty much all we're hanging on to right now. I actually caught myself watching a Phillies game. I was like, what am I doing? I should be drafting on underdog. I should be talking about fantasy sports <laughs> with Faraz or something like that. You know, it's it's getting down and dirty. You know, we're into it. The dog days of no sports being on. Uh, I'm just ready for football to be back. Luckily, we got it coming up soon. I mean, it's under it's like under two months away, which is why this is a great time uh, to prepare for your fantasy drafts. Right. And that's what we're doing right now. And the hype train is starting on a lot of these guys. Yeah. And one of them who, you know, I, I think there has been a lot of concern from the comments that I've seen, DMs that I've got, that Tony Pollard might not be anywhere close to 100% this season, or at least the start of the season. But everything that I've read and I've spoke to, you know, medical professionals about this, you know, Pollard's inju- injury is, you know, not something that should linger, right? In fact, yeah. right now, He's running and cutting at full speed, is reportedly ahead of schedule in his recovery, and he's expected to be a full participant in training camp. They're, they're just not letting him participate in OTAs and minicamp, you know, just to make sure he's completely ready for camp. Yeah. Right? So I don't look at picking him where he's going as a, as a risk at all. Uh, I look at it like, you know, keep sleeping because he's kind of a value to me. You know, he's being drafted as the RB7 off the board. I have him as the overall RB2 on the season. And I and I get it. It's really high. But, like, he finished as the RB9 last year in PPR points per game. And he didn't even have the goal line role. He didn't even have a full-time role in this offense. And right. I'm not going to play scared here, right? Like, in case uh, free agent running back signs with them or something like that, right? 231 vacated carries from Zeke. Um, Pollard was extremely efficient after contact. He was the best breakaway running back last year. He was one of the most efficient pass catchers. And now he has a goal line role with more opportunity. Don't be scared. No. Okay. He's that dude. And he should be drafted in the second round with ease. Now, I do expect a regression in terms of his efficiency. Like he was way too efficient last year. Uh, you know, more volume will likely bring his efficiency down. However, since he's getting more volume now in terms of like net points, that's going to make yeah. up for any regression that you see uh, in efficiency. Absolutely. And, you know, since he went down the divisional round, all the talk has just been, well, he'll be a great fantasy back if he can come back and if he can look the same as he did before the injury. Well, if these reports coming out of camp are true and If what you're hearing from these medical professionals is accurate, that it's not going to be a long-term thing, you won't be affected by it in 2023, there's no reason to think he shouldn't be going. He should be going any higher later than he should than he is on underdog right now. Like he is a value, like you said. I think at RB7, you talk about risk with him. I don't think there's any risk, like you said. If the injury, if he does come back from the injury, he's going to have that added work. I look at guys like Jonathan Taylor, who's going before him. I think there's more risk there because the offensive situation is not anywhere near as good. And you mentioned his efficiency. He's been, every single season of his career, you know, he's had 
a top five yards after contact per carry among running backs with 80 carries. So that's a stat I put out on the Cowboys page. I remember I put that out and people were like, wow, I didn't even realize that. You know, the efficiency might come down. It's true because he does have less work to his resume than other running backs do, especially at his age. But he's not anywhere like past his prime. You know, we talked all offseason about how much Ezekiel Elliott's departure means to Pollard. Like you mentioned, all those um, removed carries that he's going to get. Um, I'm not losing any sleep over another running back behind him either. You know, Ronald Jones obviously signed. I'm not worried about him at all. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, he hasn't really been making a whole lot of noise in Cowboys camp. And the word is that Malik Davis, who has an edge over the field for the RB2 spot, but it's just going to be ambiguous behind him. So I'm not worried about Pollard at all at all either. He's head and shoulders, you know, the RB1 in this offense. I don't think they're going to add anybody at this point at running back. A Zeke reunion seems very unlikely. I would be really, really surprised if anything happened with that. I know there's rumblings, obviously, just because of Jerry Jones. He keeps spewing words out. Oh, we might bring him back. You know, the door isn't closed. As far as I'm concerned, the door is closed. We need to move forward at this point, assuming Tony Pollard is the RB1, and he's not even being drafted like it, so take advantage of that. All right, let's move to the Browns. There is word that Deshaun Watson is looking more like himself. Uh, Amari Cooper is coming off core surgery. So he wasn't participating fully in OTAs and minicamp. Um, and, you know, I think even Amari Cooper is a value right now. But the word out of camp, word out of minicamp, word out of OTAs, has really been all about Elijah Moore, right? Yeah. The Browns traded for him, and it looks like they have serious plans for him to be a huge part of the offense. Um, apparently, him and Watson already have serious rapport. Their wide receiver coach said that Moore and Watson – are made for each other in terms of what they both do well. Uh, his OC said that, you know, he's very versatile, can play inside and outside, which I agree with. Uh, but I do think running a majority of routes from the slot will benefit him, you know, help him get his groove back. So with him moving around the formation, you know, frequently targeted in OTAs and minicamp, being drafted as the wide receiver 44 with a price tag of the eighth round or so, I think there's a lot of upside here. Now, yeah. The question is to you now, you know, are you buying the Browns passing offense, right? I, I think there is room for multiple wide receivers to eat, but are you looking yeah. for this passing offense to take a step forward this year? I think it's going to take a step forward. And obviously that it might seem bold because we saw Deshaun Watson really just stink it up last season, but that's what will happen when you miss a year and a half of football. And you don't have off-season training activities. You don't have mini camp to go through. Remember, he didn't get back with the team till during the season. You know, he missed time. He wasn't worth the team at all. So now Deshaun Watson, suddenly he's looking like a completely different player. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, remember, this is the same Deshaun Watson that led the NFL in yards per attempt and 300-yard passing games in 2020. That was a while ago, but he's still just 27 years old. It's not like this guy's washed. So I think that there's an obvious way that this passing offense can take a step forward if Deshaun Watson looks anything close to what he did in 2020 just remember like if he could be 75 or 80 percent of that that's going to be more than enough for two receivers in this offense at least so Amari Cooper obviously like you said he's a value but Elijah Moore wide receiver 44 is there a scenario where he finishes any lower than that if Deshaun Watson takes any type of step forward or is anything close to what he was what we remember seeing him be when he was on the Texans I don't really think that's in his range of outcomes to finish any lower than that. So at this point, there's no risk in buying Elijah Moore where he's at right now. Um, him and Amari Cooper can be mutually beneficial um, as a dynamic one-two duo. There's not a whole lot encouraging about what we saw from him last year because, you know, poor quarterback situation, you know, not a whole lot of volume and a, a lot of gripes from him just about his usage, which were warranted. You know, they weren't using him the way he wanted to be used and he got off the team. So that's good for him. But his 11 missed tackles forced last year were tied for eighth most in the NFL. And that's the same as guys like Tyreek Hill and Chris Godwin. And that's technically in just 13 games. Because like I said, remember, he was griping about not being used. He had three games where he had zero targets. So Elijah Moore has plenty left in the tank. From a talent perspective, he's still young. He's with a new quarterback who could be a star again in Deshaun Watson. So is there really any reason to like avoid Elijah Moore? I don't think there is. I think you could target him at his price. And I'd be surprised if we don't see that number jump up a little bit as these reports continue to come out. Now, it is possible that because of an emergence from Elijah Moore, that could help contribute to David Njoku potentially not having the type of upside that a lot of people might think he has. A lot of people are right. targeting David Njoku where he's going. I think the price is solid. 
Um, but is he less viable to finish as a high end tight end one? Right. I, I think with all of these later tight ends, you kind of give a, I try to give a percentage associated to each of them in terms of how likely are they to finish as a top five tight end. And mm-hmm. I think more being there. Right. So I think that it seems like all, everything that we've been hearing out of the Browns camp is that they're going to go more three wide receiver sets. Right. Moore is going to be there potentially coming out of the slot. Donovan Peoples Jones, don't forget about him. He had his best year last year. He'll command a little bit of that target share. Najoku, I don't know if he has the upside, you know, to finish that high, right? And keep right. in mind that he didn't necessarily have huge games with Deshaun Watson last year. Most of his big games came with Jacoby Brissett. So I'm just a little wary uh, with his range of outcomes this year. There are a couple of tight ends that I'd rather shoot for a little bit later at a cheaper price who might even have more upside than Njoku. Yeah, I think that his high end for me is tight end eight, and that's assuming everything goes perfectly. I I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's a 1% or 2% chance that he lands up in there. I think there's a better than 50% chance that he lands somewhere in the tight end 10 to 12 range like he has been maybe even tight end 14, depending on how impactful Elijah Moore is on this offense. We have to see how Deshaun Watson takes a step forward. I'm not saying he's not going to be viable certain weeks. Like, you're going to be able to start him, I think, as your tight end. You know, he can be a low-end tight end one for you every week. If that's what you're going to draft him for, you're going to get that. But top five upside, like, his price doesn't scream, you know, like, value. It's just that's a reasonable price for a a mid-range tight end in my book. I'm not targeting i'm not avoiding like you just said david njoku i like him as a talent but he's just been stuck on offenses where either there have been quarterback problems you know in the baker mayfield era or now there's too many targets i think for him to kind of receive a large enough piece of the pie to be super viable and be one of these top echelon tight ends for fantasy football so he's kind of had a situation working against him his whole career i don't think that's going to change but i do think he might have a higher weekly ceiling than he has in the past just because his offense is probably going to be much better if Deshaun Watson takes any type of step forward. Yeah, especially if this becomes a Watson-tailored offense opposed to like a Nick Chubb-tailored offense, right? I think Nick Chubb yeah. is obviously going to have a big year, but you know, if, if they're going to really center this offense around Deshaun Watson, then you know there could be some – it could be a chance that there are multiple receivers eating you know, in this offense, right? Yep. Um, now, it's funny because like – Another, we're going to have, if you're wondering like, oh, what other late round tight ends? Like I just teased that, right? Like, oh, what other late round, late round tight ends are you targeting? We're going to have an episode well, where we'll be going through all that, which late round tight ends. We're also going to have a post coming out on Instagram uh, within the next week or so laying out those tight ends that we are looking at late. Okay. And I'm talking about late as in like the 10th round. Or so if you're wondering where Njoku is going right now, uh, he's going to, uh, off the board as the tight end nine in the ninth round on underdog, okay? Which is, yeah. again, not not terrible value or anything like that. It's just that, you know, does he really have that type of upside that we look for? Or are you just looking for a middling tight end that you could start every single week? I think Njoku will, will do that. Yeah. One of those tight ends is Greg Dulcich. And Sean Payton talked up Greg Dulcich for a few minutes after a good practice. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. You know, he compared him to tight ends that he's coached in the past, and he called him a quote-unquote joker, someone who has exceptional ball skills that can cause mismatches, like Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles, and Alvin Kamara, three players who have been prolific in this offense. And why did he compare them to running backs? He compared them to running backs because these are the guys who created the mismatches, and he's right. Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles, Alvin Kamara all created mismatches out of the backfield. When Sean Payton was asked about Albert O, he was saying less inspiring things like he's made progress uh, and that they're looking for consistency with him. Nowhere near the type of things he was saying about Dulcich, right? So are you buying Dulcich right now? I think at his price, I mean, it's hard to ignore. You know, the upside that he presents, he flashed it a little bit last season with Russell Wilson. That was when the offense was really just stuck in the mud. You know, they weren't moving anywhere. Now they have Sean Payton. The offense is probably going to be better. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a shot at Dulcich. Um, Tight end 14 in the 12th round is where he's going currently. Yeah, that's a really solid price. And, you know, with the upside that he presents, I don't know if he's top five upside. 
but I think he has similar upside to a guy like Dave Njoku. I mean, you look at the receiving room there in, in Denver. I'm pretty sure the Broncos are attached to Jerry Judy. They're going to have him. But Cortland Sutton, he's been mentioned in a bunch of trade conversations. I'm not saying he's going to be moved super early in the season, but it's never out of the realms of possibility. You know, we'll see about that. He didn't necessarily have an inspiring season last season with Russell Wilson, or really for the, that matter, the two years, the three years that he's been in the league before that. He struggled to put it together, despite you know him having pretty high upside and talent. So... I think there's room for Greg Dulcich to kind of, you know, break in and establish himself in the receiving game outside of just these receivers that we mentioned. I mean, Tim Patrick's supposed to be back. I'm not worried about him getting some type of target share. That's going to hurt Greg Dulcich. But from what we saw, you know, he's an extreme athlete. You know, they drafted him just last year. He was a rookie. He put up some solid weeks for you. I don't have any problem taking a shot at Greg Dulcich at his price. There are guys going ahead of him that I think don't have anywhere near the type of potential security that you might get with Greg Dulcich. He's a swing, you know, obviously you might miss. I don't think, I think there's a better chance that you hit on Greg Dulcich at tight end 14 than you do miss. So Dulcich played in 10 games last year and he had fantasy finishes in terms of uh, PPR points per game, 12.4, 11.1, 12.7. Those are his first three games in the NFL. That's damn good for your first three games of the NFL as a tight end. Right, because rookie tight ends usually don't hit that, you know, like that. Yeah. But then he had a couple bad games: two point one seven, three point one. But then he had four a, a game with fourteen point five PPR fantasy points, thirteen point nine, pretty boom bust, eight point six fantasy points, uh, you know, a, a, on average for the year, yeah. which I think isn't that bad, you know, for a rookie. So you know, when I see a rookie tight end who showed the ability to produce in year one. And I was also a big fan of Dulcich coming out uh, as a prospect. So you kind of put those things together and I'm, I'm looking at Dulcich and on top of that, what Sean Payton has, has talked about, if Russell Wilson can take a step forward, if this offense can take a step forward as a whole, I think Dulcich is a pretty good target, you know, where he's going. Cause I, I know you said you don't, you don't think he can have top five potential. I, I do. I think All he right. has, he has top five upside, you know, obviously not before Andrews or Kelsey, you know, uh, can he finish? Who are the other guys there? He, can he finish above so, Kittle? I do think he can. How about can Goddard? He finish above Goddard? I think he can finish above Goddard G- given Waller? all of the, um, Waller. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. So okay. I think maybe Hawkinson is right there at, at three, maybe in terms of like, can he really, you know, outscore him? Yeah, I think he can. Hawkinson's interesting because, you know, he now has to compete with Jordan Addison, who I think is an upgrade over Adam Thielen in that offense. You know, Adam Thielen had a quiet season last year. So I think that you might, you might be onto something there. Things have to go exceptionally right. Right, of course. What are the chances of that happening? I would say like 10%. (laughs) That's exactly what I was just about to say. For him him to finish top five, I would say like 10% chances on that happening, which is a pretty good percentage. I, I, I think, so, you know, in terms of like just that door being open, you know, a little bit, um, you know, I'm kind of excited to see what Dulcich can bring to the table. Yeah. So for Dulcich to have that upside, are you giving Russell Wilson benefit of the doubt after last season? Yes. That he can come back? I, I, I am. And Russell Wilson is also one of my quarterback targets, late round quarterback targets right now, because, you know, he's also being drafted absolutely super low, right? Russell Wilson yeah. being drafted as a QB 18. Okay. There's a good chance that Q, that Russell Wilson, I think, finishes as a quarterback one this year, top twelve fantasy quarterback at the very least. I think I think Sean Payton can come in and fix the issues that he's had. We had yeah. one bad season from Russell Wilson in his career, dude. Okay, so I think this could be a situation where you know a lot has changed in his life, moving to Denver, doing all doing all that. Nathaniel Hackett didn't work out; he got fired. So you know, I and think Russell that, Wilson he kind of came on at the end of the season too. I mean, like, exactly. let's just not throw in, that in the out games, the door. Did you see that Chiefs in the game? Games, <laughs> exactly. In the games without Nathaniel Hackett last year, Russell Wilson lit it up. Okay? Yeah. He was the top five quarterback in both of those games <laughs> for fantasy. <laughs> so let's not forget about that. I, I agree. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, what Dulcich can do. Yeah. Now, moving on to the Rams. Sean McVay talked up Cam Akers and said that he will be a central figure in his offense, and that he's a huge part of what they're trying to do moving forward, and that he's priming himself to have a great year. We've seen McVay talk of running backs in the past, including Akers, 
right before trying to <laughs> trade him last year, but yeah. they haven't made any moves yet this offseason, right? Akers is really the only back on that roster worth considering right now. Maybe there can be a surprise from like Karen, Karen, Karen Williams or Zach Evans, but as of now, that doesn't seem to be the case, right? Um, considering the fact that he was coming off the Achilles, you know, you got to consider that, see that's a consideration. He yeah. didn't start picking it up until late in the season. Look at his last three games. 23 carries, 118 yards, three touchdowns. 19 carries, 123 yards. 21 carries, 104 yards. He only averaged two catches per game. That's going to have to go up if we're going to really depend on him having a high floor. Um, right. But he did look good at the end of the year. He was average in terms of yards after contact. But in terms of misforced tackles, pretty good. He was up there. Mm -hmm. Tied for the third most 10-plus yard runs during that span, only behind Dobbins and Kenneth Walker. Okay? Um, that tells you something about Dobbins, by the way. The fact that he was, you know, coming <laughs> right. off that multi-ligament injury. Go in on yeah. Dobbins this year. We'll, we'll get to him <laughs> in a second. But yeah, another thing to keep in mind, though, is that this offensive line is going to be absolutely terrible. Okay? Yep. So <laughs> there's some there's some positives here. There's some negatives here. And I think this all comes down to, you know, what is the opportunity going to look like? Is he going to be involved in the receiving game? Is that going to be Kyron Williams' job? Who knows, right? Because he didn't get the receiving opportunity last year. Now, yeah. he's going off the board as the RB22, right before DeAndre Swift. For me, give me DeAndre Swift. Right. Before Dalvin Cook, give me Cook. Pacheco, give me Akers. Rashad White, ooh, I would say give me Acres, but it's close, especially yeah. in full PPR. David Montgomery, I have him ranked above Acres, so I think he's priced somewhat appropriately. But mm -hmm. you got to understand the range of outcomes. Do I look at him as like an RB one type of player? I don't. I don't. Now, yeah. you know, do, does he have that up upside? Only if he's really, really involved in the receiving game, which we didn't see last year at all. Okay. When you see someone like Deontay Foreman, you know, doing his thing for the most part, a couple years later after his Achilles tear, you know, that's a good sign. But when you see what's going on with James Robinson, right, <laughs> with his lingering injuries, that's not a great sign. So right. what's the word? Like, are you in on K-Makers? What's the deal? Do you like his price? I'm okay with his price. And I, I, I almost like it. You know, because I think that the risk is baked in a little bit right there because you know that the offense, we're not sure what the offense is going to look like. I mean, we know Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, as long as they're healthy, they're going to be throwing the ball a bunch to Cooper Cup, and that's about it. And the offensive line is the biggest thing for me because that's a bad offensive line. Like, usually, and this is just, you know, asinine point here, but I can usually name one offensive lineman on a team. I can't name a single one from the Rams. <laughs> they are allowing a ton of sacks. Matthew Stafford was out for the season last year because he was under so much pressure. You know, he got all these hits, and it was only a matter of time before he went down. And obviously, if they can't pass protect, they're not going to probably be able to run protect either, uh, run block, So I should say. So that is going to hang over Cam Akers for the entire season. However, the only thing that we have working for us now is we've seen Cam Akers kind of be that guy that takes on that high-volume role. And he did that the past couple uh, games, the last few games of last season. You know, he finished as the RB8 from week 11 on last year. That was with just 11 receptions on 12 targets, like you said. So not terribly involved in the passing game. But he had full control of the red zone and goal line carries. He had 19 red zone carries. Five of those were end zone, uh, inside the five. Not a single running back tallied another one. So he had complete control over the backfield when it came to goal line, red zone carries. Good news for him. Good news for the running game. You know, he's going to have that role unlocked. Early down running back, he's got that role. Uh, the Rams will be getting Stafford and Cup, like I said. If they can stay healthy, I think that the offense can be better than it was last season. So that's going to raise his, you know, floor a little bit. It's not going to give him too much, but it's going to raise it a little bit. I think that he can maintain that type of, you know, workload. As far as what he got in the run game last season, he averaged just about 20 attempts a game in the last three games. I think he can get that this season. But like you said, not being involved in the passing game hurts a ton for fantasy. It's going to keep him probably outside the top 10. Um, I could see him finishing just outside. He might be able to sneak in as a low, low-end RB1 if everything goes right. But like I said, that's if everything goes right. I think that there's risk with Cam Akers. It's baked into his ADP at RB2020, not 2022, at RB22. So I'm okay targeting him. I'm low-key optimistic about what he can do this season. 
But um, like you just said, it's nothing. Get nothing is guaranteed. We'll see how it happens. I have him on a couple of my rosters in dynasty leagues. I'm, I will say, I'm buying the little dip that we have right here, just hoping that things can come together. And it looks like they can. He he should be a more involved part of the offense, like Sean McVay said, a central figure. You know, if they want to get more balance and stop leaning so much on the passing game of Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's getting older. If they want to get more balanced, I think that Cam Akers could definitely be the kind of guy that kind of sneaks in to that top 12, even though he's drafted in the dead zone. Staying on the Rams, rookie Rams receiver Puka Nakua is making an impression. Uh, He's playing all three receiver positions. He's showing a good grasp in the playbook. And this is what LaFleur is saying, their, their offensive coordinator. He said that they're not babying him at all. Stafford is throwing him touchdowns in minicamp. He's standing out to Sean McVay. He's standing out to Cooper Cup. Both of those guys had great things to say about him um, and LaFleur as well. And I've been saying, you know, from the beginning all the way back to the senior bowl, he was one of my favorite wide receivers who stood out to me during that week of practice when they drafted him. Despite him being a late-round guy, I just, I just believe in the guy. He was literally the second most efficient receiver in college football last year 3.53 yards per route run second among all 200 wide receivers with 50 or more targets in the fbs the year before that sixth in the country among 200 wide receivers with 50 or more targets he's versatile he's had really bad injury luck but i think this dude can start in three wide receiver sets for the rams this year and play a robert woods type of role cooper cup in the slot with him and Van Jefferson on the outside in those bunch formations. Let Sean McVay scheme him up. He's free in drafts right now. So yeah. I, I'm personally, I'm in on Puka. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, I actually mentioned about how the Rams haven't had a producer, consistent producer for fantasy outside Robert Woods um, since he left. You know, it's been Cooper Cup and that's about it. So that's kind of the role that you want to envision for Puka Nakua. But um, I, I, I like Puka Nakua too. You know, the way that he, you know, versatile, like you said, he'll be able to play anywhere. Is there really going that you said he'll be playing on three wide receiver sets? Is Van Jefferson, do you think that much better where he's going to be starting over him? Maybe like say we get halfway through the season and Puka Nakua is doing really well. Like I could see Nakua being the wide receiver too. He might not have to be on, it might not have to be wide receiver three, three wide receiver sets for him to be on the field. I don't want to hype him up I too think, much. I think but, he can, I think he can out target Van Jefferson, right? Yeah. Um, but like in two in in two in two wide receiver base sets is probably going to be Jefferson because he's like the veteran there and you know he's probably a little bit more polished and seasoned. Um, but like like yeah, again yeah. like you know if if Puka can you know really shine like out of the gate you know you never know. I, I don't think Van Jefferson is this like amazing football player, but he is one of Sean McVay's favorites, and I think mm-hmm. he's going to be on the field most of the year. The good thing is that. You know, Sean Mavay, if he has three wide receivers, he will use 11 personnel uh, as much as he can. Right. Yeah, I, I, that's the only thing for me. That's what's encouraging to me. You know, if his only competition to get on the field and see significant time is Van Jefferson, you know, I think that he has that shot to get onto the field, see a decent number of snaps, enough that he's going to be relevant as a flex play, you know, pretty much even after just a couple of weeks in the NFL. Um, I'm not exactly sure how he's going to pan out. Obviously, like you said, he's had terrible injury luck. We don't want that to continue. But um, the Rams haven't had anyone behind Cooper Cup. I think he could be that guy if things pan out with, for him correctly. Um, it's just a camp report, obviously. But um, that's all we have to work with right now. So we're going to take what we can get. And I think that Puka Nakua, there's definitely, there should be more hype around him. Like you said, he's going for free right now. Um, there should be more would you be surprised if we didn't see that ADP kind of rise a little bit? No, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I think right. not enough people know about him. You know, he was a later round pick. Um, yeah. Nobody can really see Matt Stafford, you know, maintaining another wide receiver given his health, right? Everyone's going to be talking about like who's going to throw him the ball. Well, it seems like Stafford's pretty healthy right now. And yeah. it doesn't seem like the injuries from last year is going to affect him this year, according to the people that, you know, monitor these injuries and break them down and analyze them. It seems like Stafford will be fine. That's why we're drafting yep. cups so early, right? Moving forward to the Ravens, there seems to be a clear prioritization from their new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, to play at a faster pace. 
getting the backs more involved in the passing game and executing in the red zone. And that's exactly what you want to hear, right? Yeah. Lamar Jackson has been playing in one of the slowest offenses over the past several seasons since he started his career in Baltimore. And now you bring on Todd Munkin. Of course he wants to prioritize his running backs in the pass game. Look at the running backs he's had at Georgia. Kenny McIntosh, right? Um, James Cook, like, come on. Yep. Like, he's, he had some really, really good running backs, um, pass catching running backs. Now, is J.K. Dobbins as good as them in the receiving game? Maybe not, but he's capable. And would I be surprised if he gets 40 catches this year? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. And that's just going to raise his floor just a little bit. Um, Lamar Jackson, is he going to tuck it and run it as much? Not if Munkin wants the running backs to get involved. If he wants the running backs to get involved, he's going to scheme it into the game plan, and it is what it is. And that's how yeah. you get these running backs involved. So we'll see how that goes. It doesn't seem like they're going to have, you know, these other guys coming in uh, in place of J.K. Dobbins. I think Dobbins is going to be the guy. And there's just the fact that there's going to be more offensive plays called every single week for the <laughs> Ravens. This is so good for Lamar Jackson. This is yeah. so good for J.K. Dobbins. I'm just so in on this offense. Now, it's tough to project, like, okay, who is the wide receiver that you're going to be drafting, right? Is it going to be Bateman? Is it going to be Zay, uh, Zay Flowers? Is it going to be OBJ late? I think I'm just going to go with Mark Andrews on this one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, draft yeah. him in the third round and then, like, you know, let everything else fall, you know, where it may. You know, if Zay Flowers falls to me, I'll be happy with it. If Bateman falls to me, I'll be happy with it. Uh, but, you know, I want to get those guys at a discount because, you know, there's a little bit of ambiguity there, right? Yeah. So I might let those guys fall to me. Uh, but, you know, in terms of picking one right now, it's tough. But I'm going to go with Mark Andrews. <laughs> that That's the ultimate, you know, just like check. You know what I'm saying? If you're, you're playing poker, you could make any play that you want. You just check with Mark Andrews. Like you're going to be perfectly <laughs> fine regardless of what happens. So I, I agree. Mark Andrews is the secure investment. I'm going after Zay Flowers just because – I th- I love what he can do. I think he his skill set will work perfectly with what the Ravens want to do. Obviously, run a faster paced game. He's versatile. He'll be able to do what whatever Todd Monken wants him to do. I could see Lamar Jackson developing rapport with him early because Lamar hasn't had weapons like this in his whole career. And I think Zay Flowers. I wanted the Cowboys to get him because I thought he'd be a perfect you know compliment to Ceedee Lamb. But we're just gonna let that one slide. I digress. But I would go after Zay Flowers. I really like the talent that he has. And I think that in Baltimore, he can really be the wide receiver one because OBJ, do we think OBJ is a wide receiver one? Like, yeah. I, I don't think he is. I think he's going to be taking a backseat to one of the two guys, either Rashad Bateman or Zay Flowers. And if I had to pick between Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman, I'm going with Flowers because like you said, his Lewis Frank injury, we're not sure how he's going to come back from that. And I don't want to just chalk it up to that. But I, I think that Zay Flowers, he's going to have the benefit of, you know, being 100% on day one, he can build rapport with Lamar Jackson immediately. Rashad Bateman's been in and out of the lineup, so that's tough for him. But you mentioned J.K. Dobbins. We already know he's a fantastic running back, you know, just a pure runner. He averages ridiculous numbers on the ground, especially those last four games that he played in 2022. He had yards per carry, 8, 9.62, 4.92, 5.47 on carries 15, 13, 13, 17. You know, just ridiculous numbers in the ground game. But you mentioned that if he's going to be getting a little bit more passing work, not only would that boost his floor, but I think that might give him some higher upside too. If he's complimenting five or six yards per carry, I'm not saying that's going to continue, but you know, obviously we see that he's a higher than average runner. If he's going to be complimenting that skill with three or four catches a game, even two or three catches a game, you know, that's going to be pretty solid, solidly inside the top 12 most weeks. Assuming, like you said, that this offense does run more plays. And who would have thought more plays equals more fantasy points? But it's worth noting here with the Ravens offense because they've been so slow. And it's funny. It's ironic because the slowest, one of the slowest offenses in the league has the fastest quarterback in the league, you know, just kind of <laughs> heading it up. So that's ironic. I think the stars are aligning here. I completely understand why you're in on the Ravens offense. And I am too. I'm, I might not even be in on it as much as you are, but there's reason to be excited here. And I think that Lamar Jackson is the primary beneficiary of everything that's going on. But not only that, let's not discount what the offense moving fast will do for everybody else. Yeah, and I think Zay Flowers is the safest wide receiver to draft from the Ravens this year. Wide receiver 46 off the board. 
Uh, what is that? The ninth round. Uh, it's the wide receiver 46 off the board in the eighth round right now. Great price. Yeah. You know, wide receivers get taken a little bit higher on underdog too. So in a home league, you can potentially get this due with the ninth round. A first round wide receiver who's, you know, competition for the wide receiver one title uh, is coming off a list Frank injury. I think Zay Flowers is probably the way to go for this yeah. year. For sure. Yeah, I, I'm 100% I like with it. you. And you have Lamar Jackson as your quarterback. So let's not discount that either, you know? Yep. <laughs> That's great. Moving on to the Giants now. Darren Waller continues to stand out, moving all around the formation. That's what you would expect from him. Paris Campbell demonstrating an early chemistry with Daniel Jones. Uh, Jalen Hyatt hasn't seen many reps with the first team offense. Okay. And there have been reports that he's been being primarily he's primarily running with the third string offense. Not great. Okay. Surprise, surprise. Not great. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Now, Paris Campbell, you know, could he emerge from this wide receiver group? Right. Super ambiguous group. Right. Obviously, yeah. it's like Darren Waller for me and then everybody else. Right. But yeah, Sterling Shepard's there. Can you know he looks a little crispy? Maybe he could do something. But Paris Campbell, somebody to just you know keep an eye on right now. Right. Did Not, you see the I don't same think... video as me of, of Sterling Shepard running routes. Yes. yes. Because somebody I, commented, I you saw it, like somebody commented said, like, he looks faster than Kenny Galladay. And he's coming off all these injuries. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he, he he does. You know, so I, I'm with you. I, I do think Sterling Shepard. I mean, I'm rooting for him just because you know he's been through a lot in terms of injuries. But yeah, dude, seriously, there. he's he's such a good separator, good route runner. It's just a shame that he has to have he had to go through so many injuries. But it's hard to you know really. You know, Paris Campbell had to deal with a little bit of that early and on in his career. He showed some good flashes out of the slot last year, but it looks like they really are you know trying to implement him and, and you know throw him into like the crux of this offense so i i think yeah. paris campbell i'm not necessarily drafting him because i don't think he has a lot of upside but i think that he is somebody that will be picking up on waivers like after week two you know yeah. just as like a potential ppr <laughs> flex player or something like that you know because daniel Wasn't jones it? you know he's making guys these other wire, random wide receivers relevant last year so we could easily see someone like paris campbell emerge mm-hmm. wasn't Paris Campbell, one of the waiver wire warriors that we had last season. He was yes. always on the list somewhere. Yes. So it's like, you see that again? <laughs> do you think he could ascend from that list? Do you think he could get to a point on this Giants I, I do think so. Where the he's reason a flex for that play? Is, yeah, I do. Because like the quarterback situation was so bad on the Colts last year. And we yeah. saw like Paris Campbell like three, four weeks in a row like have like wide receiver two finishes like out of nowhere in PPR. So... <laughs> I do think that there is room for Paris Campbell. You know, he's he was a good receiver coming out, and he's had bad injury situations, so he didn't really get a whole lot of playing time in his career so far. Last year was his real, really like his first full season. So right. now, you know, going into this year, can uh, can he be elevated a little bit? You know, good coaching staff. You know, coaching staff that has, you know, ha- had wide receivers overachieve last year, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, could I mean, be interesting. Paris Campbell, he's a slot guy, right? Yeah. The, yeah it just so happens that the Giants slot guy left for Kansas City in free agency. The guy that ran the most routes from the slot was Richie James for Giants. Yeah. So who else is going to compete with him? I know Wondell Robinson's waiting in the wings, but he's been perpetually injured since he entered the league. And I love Wondell Robinson. I'd love to see him actually get on the field and play. But if that's going to be the way that it's going to be, then I think Paris Campbell, you know, it looks like he could just fall right into that slot role. And if he really excels there, you know, like who else is he competing with? Not Jalen Hyatt, you know, surprise, yeah. surprise. He's, he's running with the third team. I think that the NFL scouts got it right that he might be a one trick pony right now. He might need a little bit of coaching up a couple seasons to kind of develop. Um, I'm not surprised that he's, you know, there in the third round. Uh, he was there for the Giants in the third round. They took him. Uh, it's not a good look for him. And New York is looking like a whole lot more quantity than quality. I think that's going to help Paris yeah. Campbell. Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, moving on to the Texans. We talked about this the other day. We just had our AFC South preview podcast. So yeah. but I did, did want to mention it just in case you missed it. CJ Stroud, already way ahead of pace. Ball placement apparently impeccable so far as a pro. Um, he already sees the team's first team reps. And he's showing really good chemistry with Nico Collins right now. Um, John Mechie, you know, coming off, you know, uh, lymphoma. Is it? Was it lymphoma? 
it was a type of leukemia. Leukemia. I'm sorry. I always get those two confused. Um, Leukemia, right? Um, So he's being cleared from that. And now he has a hamstring injury, right? He Mm -hmm. was coming off the ACL injury as well. So dealing with a few injuries here, he still hasn't been able to participate. Didn't have the most amazing uh, production profile coming out, to be honest. Um, he, he did have some high draft capital taken in the second round of the draft. Uh, I think it was like not this past season, but like the year it was 2022. It was 2022. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah. So basically, he missed his rookie year pretty much. Um, but I think Nico Collins, man, like he is a serious breakout candidate for this year. Like, I don't think he has like wide receiver one upset or anything like that. But does he have, he can finish as a low end wide receiver two, he can finish as a yeah. high end wide receiver three. Um, I think that is in the range of outcomes, especially given the fact that it's really him and Dalton Schultz as like the two main weapons on this offense right now. And yeah. you know, I don't know, if, I don't even know if I consider Schultz like quote unquote a weapon, right? He's gonna he can be used, he could be serviceable, um, he could be good. But at the end of the day, I think Nico Collins is gonna be he has the potential to get 120, 130 targets this year out of yeah. nowhere. Um, he had mm-hmm. multiple, you know, nine game targets last year, and he didn't even play that many games. So keep that in mind. I think Collins can be somebody to break out this year and where he's going right now. Like he's almost a must draft, honestly. Wide receiver right. 61 run off the board in the 12th round. If you're not picking a tight end in that range, not picking a quarterback in that range, I think Nico, Nico Collins is the way to go. Yeah, I hear you. I- you can't go wrong with Nico Collins, especially with the way people are talking about CJ Stroud. Um, when yes. you mentioned Dalton Schultz not being much of a weapon, you know, I 100% agree. Like Dak Prescott made him in Dallas, but the thing that he can be is just a turnaround, sit down, safety valve guy for CJ Stroud when he's getting started. So he could make money in PPR. You know, obviously he could make his money just catching passes. He doesn't do a whole lot after the catch. He started looking like Jason Witten way earlier than Jason Witten did. I'm not a big fan of that, but, um, you know, he'll be able to be there for CJ Stroud. But for me, I think the story of CJ Stroud, you know, he's currently going as a QB 26 on underdog. That means he's not being drafted to finish as anything better than a QB three. You know, he'd have to be, he could be, I think he can be a QB two at the very least, you know, Um, the weapons obviously aren't ideal, but if CJ Stroud, like you said, ball placement is impeccable. He's ahead in his development. You know, he's showing chemistry with some receivers. And recently, I forget who put it out, but they said that CJ Stroud's leadership reminds them of Dak Prescott. And it's funny, so many people compared him to Dak Prescott coming out. If he could jump into the scene, have this type of leadership, take control of this offense, which is what it's kind of sounding like he's doing. I think that he might be a screaming value if he's QB 26. Like, are th- are there going to be only six quarterbacks behind C.J. Stroud at the end of the season in terms of fantasy points scored? I don't think so. You know, I think that the number of people that he's going to jump ahead of might surprise a lot of people. I could see C.J. Stroud kind of jumping quietly in QB 17, 18. And obviously, it's not a humongous ceiling, but for yeah. where he's going right now, I think you can roll the dice on him and not have much risk at this point. C.J. Stroud, he's a rookie. I'll give you that. But I liked him coming out of the draft. He's my pick to be the best quarterback coming out of this class in terms of just his career. And it looks like he might be getting a head start above some of these other rookie quarterbacks, too, that are going even higher than him. There was a whole debate going on in the one post between should we go with Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud at the price? I mean, I like Anthony Richardson, but C.J. Stroud, that's a no-risk move compared to Anthony Richardson, which is a high-risk move. Moving on to another rookie. The Packers beat reporters cannot stop raving about Luke Musgrave, another yeah. standout from the Senior Bowl. Didn't have a huge production profile, but for a tight end, you look for athleticism, you look for you look for size, right? Mm-hmm. And he has both of those things, and it looks like he is the clear-cut tight end one for this team right now. They're already integrating him into the offense, and they just can't stop talking about him, you know? And it's funny because, like, he is – right now he's the only – rookie tight end who has secured that starting job right and because of that he's a little bit of a dark horse rookie tight end leader right now like at the end of this season if luke musgrave is averaging more fantasy points per game than dalton kincaid michael mayer sam laporta don't be surprised i wouldn't be i I think it's hard here 
just for yeah. the rookie year, right? Like I think throughout the course of their careers, like in dynasty, like I'm not taking him over those guys, but for 2023, we we could see him being, you know, a favorite target of Jordan Love, you know, as a little bit of a security blanket for him. Right. I mean, you look at the situation that he has. There's a bunch of pass catchers there. You know, they have Christian Watson, Romeo Doves, Jaden Reed. They just drafted. I, I know you're a fan of him. That's a lot of, you know, mouths to feed Aaron Jones two out of the backfield. Yes. But it's not like any of them have a controlled vice grip over the target share. You know, maybe Christian Watson has that. But outside of that, there's not really anybody that's like head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. And you mentioned the other guys, Dalton Kincaid. Same, he's going the situation for all the other guys, Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer's situation is really just like screwed up. You have Devonta Adams ahead of him and now Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo threw to George Kittle a lot, but I'm not sure how that's going to translate on the Raiders offense. They also, they also have all they also have Austin Hooper ahead of right. him right now mm-hmm. in the pecking order. So when you have a veteran like that where they just signed this offseason from Tennessee, you're looking at a situation where like he might not get a whole lot of playing time his rookie year. Exactly. So it might not have as much to do with, you know, Luke Musgrave being this guy that's dominating the tight end position. But, you know, just in terms of what the rest of the landscape looks like, is this a guy that could command a type of target share that might rival that of a high end tight end? Maybe, you know, you you don't know, because like Jaden Reed, like I said, he's a rookie. Romeo Dobbs, not really a standout guy. There's Christian Watson. That's about it. So I, I think that. He is a big target. You know, they say that he can run after the catch, which we've seen. Not production profile hasn't been tremendous, but I think that in his situation right now, he could definitely take advantage of where he is. You know, they're obviously raving about him. That's only good news at this point. He could become a target with Jordan Love because Jordan Love is like brand spanking new, you know, at quarterback. And we're going to see how he plays much more this season. And I I like him. At the price, you can't go wrong. Jalen Warren, out of Steelers OTAs and minicamp, there has been a lot of beat reporters talking him up a little bit. And there was there has been one specific beat reporter, Mark Caballi from The Athletic, saying that there's yeah. no way that Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, can keep Jalen Warren off the field as much as he did last year, right? And we've talked about this before, right? Jalen Warren one of the most efficient running backs last year, you know, as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Among all rookies last year, he was only behind Brees Hall, Tyler Algier, Damian Pierce, and yards after contact per attempt. Actually, he tied with Damian Pierce. Yards after contact per attempt. Missed tackles force per rush. <laughs> Jalen Warren, number three. Okay? Yeah. Right behind Damian Pierce. Yards per route run, only behind two very well-known pass catchers in Brees Hall and James Cook ahead of Rashad White in yards per route run. Okay, so this dude has a lot of promise here. Probably taking over on third downs, passing downs. He had that role the entirety of last year as a rookie with Najee Harris, someone who's very capable in those situations, not as efficient. His rookie year Mm -hmm. got a ton of receptions, but wasn't efficient at all. So this makes sense. And now moving on to next year, Moving on to this year, he could potentially get even more work. Now, is he going to be fantasy relevant while Najee Harris is healthy? Probably not. But he's knocking on the door. If Najee Harris gets hurt, Jalen Warren is going to be an every down back. Mm -hmm. He is one of the handcuffs to target whether you draft Najee Harris or not. He's a bench stash, and you don't drop him. Yeah. So he's not even going to be on our waiver list because he should be rostered 100%. He will be on our waiver <laughs> list season. every single week because of the fact that, you know, you know, he, if Najee Harris is healthy, no one's going to be rostering Jalen Warren well, like that. Maybe. And I know that if Najee Harris gets hurt, Jalen Warren will be number one as a must-add on our waiver wire list for sure. Maybe we can influence the fantasy community and just say, pick up Jalen Warren. Warren, right now, you know, and this report just came out, right? You just got the notification on your phone because I, I just did too. Like I did, that's where I just saw it, and I was wondering if you were going to mention it, but yeah, Jalen Warren. I mean, Najee Harris. That look, it looks like more and more they're just kind of easing him out of receiving work. You know, he's going to have like an early down role, which I expect the Steelers' offense to be better. So I don't yeah. think he's going to look dramatically different from what we saw from him last season. 
but that upside is definitely capped. Now, if Jalen Warren is going to be doing this kind of thing, you know, doing his thing and getting more touches in the receiving game, that's just going to remove a lot of upside from Najee Harris, which not a good look for him. But Jalen Warren, stock is up. Now, moving on to New England, it looks like 12 personnel, which is two tight end sets, that's going to be their main package, right, you know, for this season. And Mike Gusecki and Hunter Henry, those are the two guys. They're going to be on the field together a ton. They're already being heavily targeted in minicamp and OTAs. I'm expecting this offense to take a step forward. Mac Jones already very familiar with the Alabama offense. A lot of that is going to be integrated with what um, Bill O'Brien is going to be doing. Obviously, he came over from Alabama. He had to learn that offense. Mac Jones helped him learn that offense when he was at Alabama. So now he's coming over. Mac Jones is going to be way more comfortable. Now, it sucks that the weapons aren't there. However, the two weapons that they do have who have produced in the past – Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki. And Mike Gusecki looking pretty good. He's being targeted a ton so far in OTAs and minicamp. And now, you know, we, we saw what he did a couple seasons ago. He just didn't really, he wasn't able to do his thing in Mike McDaniel's offense. And now we're looking at a situation where he could be featured in this offense. Remember, Aaron Rod- I'm sorry, uh, Gronk, Aaron Hernandez, you know, back in the mm-hmm. day, that was with Bill O'Brien. Obviously, they, have Tom, they had Tom Brady. So they made a big difference as well. But he featured those two guys at the same time. They're on the field together, and they both produced. These guys aren't anywhere close to the level of talent that those guys were, but this could be the poor man's version of that. That's the type of offense that I think they're going to be modeling after, given the fact that they don't really have the wide receivers to take away from these tight ends at this point. Exactly. And that was going to be my next point, just about, you know, sure, they might not have the talent that Aaron Hernandez-Gronk had, but who are they competing with? You know, they have Juju Smith-Schuster, who I'll give him that. That's a solid receiver right there. But outside of that, I mean, Tyquan Thornton, right now he's just speculation. He runs fast. Like, that's what we know. He can take the top off of defense. Cool. But is Mac Jones really a deep passer, a guy that's taking shots up and down the field? Mac Jones is going to feel more at home, like you said, not only in this offensive scheme, but throwing the bigger targets like Mike Kosicki and Hunter Henry. I'm not saying that Hunter Henry is going to be super viable, you know, in terms of fantasy football, but Mike Kosicki, Tight end 24, he's barely being drafted, I think, at this point, at his current ADP. So you might see him go undrafted in home leagues. You know, that that could be the case. There's no risk, risk taking him. He could slide in as a second target behind Juju Smith-Schuster on this offense. Mac Jones, like you said, I'm not a big fan of him. But if this can be a better offense, if you ask me, can this be a better offense? I'm going to say yes, because last season they had a defensive coordinator calling plays. For offense, makes no sense. So I'm going to give Mac Jones a mulligan here. I think that he can play a lot better than he did last season. It seems like there's no questions now if Bailey Zappi is going to be jumping in midseason. I don't think that is right now on the table, so that's good news for him. seems like the Patriots coaching staff is behind Mac Jones. We're not shooting the moon here. We're we're not going to be taking Mike Kosicki, and he's going to be suddenly this perennial – well, not perennial, but like weekly top – 10 top five upside guy, but he's going to have his weeks for the price they're going to get going to get him at. You know, Mike Kosicki, I think that he is the better bet than Hunter Henry, who's been around for a little while and he's had a couple of his games himself. But Mike Kosicki is 100% head and shoulders the better pass catcher than Henry at this point in their careers. Yeah, no, I would agree from that. And another, you know, ambiguous situation in Kansas City, you know, we talked about this at length in terms of who we're targeting in Kansas City. I would recommend. We go into a lot of detail on this in the AFC, no, AFC West. AFC West. <laughs> where, do the, where do the Chiefs play? Um, yeah. In the AFC West uh, preview podcast, where we talk about every single fantasy relevant player. We went over every division, guys. By the way, so if you're if you're wondering like how we feel about a particular player situation, check out those eight podcast episodes that we've done. Gold, if I do say yeah. it myself. But Sky Moore <laughs> seems to be the standout wide receiver. You know, outside of Kadarius, Tony, like if you're looking for somebody to take a step forward, it's likely going to be Sky Moore at this point. He's been standing out at OTAs at minicamp. Andy Reid has said that he's taken a step forward, you know, and it seems like he could potentially be a full-time wide receiver for the Chiefs. He hardly played last year. Targets per route run, solid. Uh, Reception perception, pretty damn good, even in his limited sample size last year. So I think Sky Moore... 
you know, could, you know, at the price that he's going, you know, he's going very, very late in drafts. He's somebody that could take a step forward. If he gets a full-time role, that's what you want to see. It's him and Kadarius Tony, pretty much. We know that, you know, MVS, you know, really isn't going to be that guy. There are two top slot wide receivers from last year. They're not on the team anymore. So I think Moore can potentially take a step forward just because of the fact that I like them coming out. And now all signs are pointing towards in terms of minicamp and OTAs and what the coaches have been saying. It seems like Moore, if he's on the field with Patrick Mahomes, you know, 65, 70% of routes, like I'll be pretty happy with that. Right. And that's what you're shooting for, Sky Moore. Like I said, I'm a little more hesitant with Sky Moore than you are just because, you know, Richie James came in. And I'm not saying Richie James is this big guy, but Sky Moore didn't really demand targets last season. He didn't play a whole lot last season on the Chiefs. Obviously, good reports coming out of training camp. We'll see how it comes together. But um, at wide receiver 54, you can't go wrong. And I think you definitely can, you know, take a shot on a guy like him. If you're going to have Patrick Mahomes a quarterback, any receiver has a chance to just suddenly have their game where they're going to blow up. I mean, MVS had a couple of those towards the end of last season where he was, you know, scoring solid numbers. And people were wondering, is he going to be somebody that's going to be a mainstay in this offense? Sky Moore, the talent is there. I'm not going to deny that. But I just want to see it come together. I think at 54, at wide receiver 54, that price, late 10th round, you can't go wrong. But I like other guys in that range. You know, this guy more, I don't want to doubt him too much, but I, I just look at the other guys in his range. You know, Odell, he's there. Alan Lazard, Michael Gallup is there. He, he could be a sleeper. Jacoby Myers. I think there's other guys there. Skymore has high upside, but yeah, I think the floor is also relatively low with him as well. Yeah, for sure. Give me more over all those guys just for the upside. I would say. <laughs> um, yeah, as guy, the chief upside guy. Yes, that would be something that you go for. That's <laughs> the chief upside guy. I see what you, I see what you did there. Um, upside. <laughs> uh, Jahan Dotson, another high upside second year potential player. We're not talking about him here, but he claims that the QB situation in Washington is settled and that Sam yeah. Howell is their guy. Uh, which is high praise. We haven't seen those words come from the coaches just yet. So, you know, but at the same time, the coaches, you know, including Ron Rivera, has said that Sam Howell seemed to have made the strides that he needs in order to be the starter. So if that situation happens, I'm very excited, man. I'm excited to see what Sam Howell can do, you know, with yeah. some opportunity, with some damn good wide receivers um, and a, a, a offensive coordinator now coming over from Kansas City. This is a very a very uh, interesting situation where if you're looking at all of the quarterbacks who are being drafted super late, right? Like where's Sam Howell, Sam Howell being he's drafted? QB 27. Right and he's QB going 27. behind He's going behind CJ Stroud. I mean, yeah. He's he's going I mean, listen. Is he the value quarterback right now who's being drafted as a quarterback 3? You know, who could end yeah. up as a top 15 quarterback, fantasy quarterback. I think it's possible, man. I really do. Uh, what's, the, what's the percentage of that happening? Very low. Less than 10%, 8%. But really? it's, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, I think I'm, I'm intrigued, man. I'm very intrigued with Sam Howell. I'm a fan. I think it's more than possible. I would say it's likely that <gasps> he goes, yeah, you know, go crazy about this. I think it's likely that, he well outperforms QB 27 where he's being yes. drafted right now. I mean, that, look at his, look at his, there. look at his weapons, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. Then you have Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson in the backfield. Perfect one, two. They have all the bases covered with those guys looking at it completely from a team perspective. And then you bring in the offensive coordinator that helped to build Patrick Mahomes into what he is today. Patrick Mahomes, when he was in college, what was he? Gunslinger. What was Sam Howell in college? Gunslinger. It's all coming together. I think there's so much working in Sam Howell's favor at this point that QB 27, like, what are we doing? You know, <laughs> we're going, Bryce Young is being taken ahead of him. And I'm not going to crap on Bryce Young and say that he's not going to be able to produce, you know, from day one. I think that he has the talent to do so. But you look at his situation compared to, compared to Sam Howell and what Sam Howell did in that one game. Obviously, there's a very small sample size that we're working with. But we saw what Sam Howell did in college. He has a great offensive coordinator now. The weapons around him are good. QB 27 is way too low. I, I think that he's going to go and finish. He There's a world, and it's not too far-fetched, where he's putting up solid QB 2 numbers as a base. You know, And I think that that might be the 10%, 8% range of outcomes You know, in terms of likelihood of happening. But 
there's no doubt in my mind that Sam Howell is going to outperform QB 27 by a mile. I love it. I love it. All right. That's going to do it for this episode, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, I think this value, uh, this, this episode provided a lot of value here, Zach. So I, yeah. I hope it did for you guys as well. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Um, again, if you could hit subscribe, hit follow, whatever your Apple podcast or Spotify app asks you to do, that would be, I'm just going to say it. Highly appreciated. Highly um, appreciated. <laughs> uh, that's what, you know, that's what we need, man. We need a t-shirt that says highly appreciated. That's, that's We're going to we rename the podcast the highly appreciated podcast. Highly appreciated. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back uh, later this week with the Q&A. So, again, all my Instagram stories, submit a question. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode, and we'll be answering your questions there. Take it easy. See ya.